Hello and welcome to the Mental Sweet Spot Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and strategies for coaching the mental game with softball. I'm Moni Rushing, and I'll be joined shortly by Alicia Smith and a special guest to discuss how to incorporate the mental game into everyday practices. She's a four-time MAC Coach of the Year and has created a legacy of athletic and academic excellence through her 33-year career as a head college softball coach. She spent 19 years as the head coach at Division I Kent State, where she accumulated the second most victories of any MAC softball coach in history, and the most for the Golden Flashes. Throughout her career, she's won championships, led her teams to top 25 rankings for academics, and achieved Coach of the Year honors in accumulating 801 career victories. Now she shares her expertise with our younger athletes, focusing on travel ball and really helping build the mental and physical game. She's a coach, mentor, and educator for the well-rounded athlete, and you're going to love the tips she shares. So without further ado, please welcome Karen Linder. Welcome, Coach. Thanks for having me. Again. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Yeah, No, I'll come back as many times as you want me to. (laughs) Ooh, we will hold you to that. Okay. (laughs) That sounds good. I'm fine with that. Yeah, we really enjoyed talking to you last time, and I just was really uh, bummed that we couldn't put out that awesome podcast. So I'm sure we'll talk about some of the same things, but different things too. So, um, but again, thank you, Coach, for coming back. We really appreciate your time. But we just kind of want to kick it off by talking about, some, you know, your Kent State days and kind of how you started to build the culture there. Actually, a little bit of my history, even before I got to Kent State, I was at Ashland University for 11 years. And I coached both basketball and softball for eight of those 11 years. And then I got focused in on just coaching softball because of Title IX. Um, They allowed me to make a decision as to which sport I wanted to stay with. So I wanted to stay with softball uh, because I enjoyed those kids um, a lot more. And when I started there, um, I got involved in mental training because of basketball, actually. And so I took what I learned from basketball and the mental training concepts that I was learning um, into softball. Uh, And so the culture building at Kent actually started at Ashland. Um, And then I was, had the opportunity to go to uh, Kent State and I took, you know, those concepts that allowed us to be successful in both basketball and softball uh, into the softball program at Kent State. And so, I think that's you know where it all started in 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 terms of um, my focus on the the mindset and the mental training and the team building and bringing all of that um, to whatever program I'm coaching. Yes, this is why immediately who did I can't remember who referred you now, but immediately oh Sheila Goulas was like no, yeah you talked to Karen <laughs> <We're> like, okay <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And Sheila, uh, took my position at Ashland. She replaced me at Ashland and, um, continued the success that we had at Ashland. Um, and Sheila and I have become very, very good friends. In fact, uh, currently, um, I'm coaching, uh, a 12 and under team from Ohio and West Virginia that is going to play in the all American games in Oklahoma city in August. And I started working with that team um four years ago that program started four years ago and uh after the first year i asked sheila to join me and so we are having a blast working with the 12 and under kids and actually taking the same concepts of the things that we taught to our college kids and teaching them to 12 year old kids 
and you know they're getting it they're understanding and it's been really exciting to see these kids that played as 12 and under four years ago uh, that are now playing 16 and under ball and how confident and how far they've gone with their games um, with teaching the same kind of concepts. Oh, I love that. And even Alicia and I had that moment where we were like, um, we've never worked with the younger girls. Are we sure this works? It absolutely does. <laughs> and it's super fun. They're like a really moldable age at 12U. So it's so cool to see. And I'd love to hear more about some of the specific concepts that you use with them. What are some of the key things that they really grasp onto and help build that confidence? Okay. Um, in fact, we just had a Zoom call last night with the new group of kids that is going to Oklahoma City. And so, um, and they can, they absolutely can understand it and they, they get it and they're hungry for it. They, they buy into it. And, and, and I think the difficult part is just getting them to do some of these things over and over and over again. They'll do it one time and then they, they won't do it the next time. And then you remind them and they'll do it over, you know, so it's incorporating it into their game. One of the main ones that I love to talk about with kids at every age is what I got from Ken Revisa about the traffic light analogy and playing in the green um, and understanding that um, I'll ask them, think about a time when they played their, had their best game ever. Um, what were they feeling? What were they thinking? Um, what happened you know, during the game and how did you feel before, during and after the game? And we talk about how they played confidently and they played um, freely and they played where they were trusting and they were having fun and they weren't thinking too much. They were just letting the game flow. And then I'll ask them, we'll talk about a game or think about a game and then talk about how you played in your worst game ever and the game that uh, you know you were frustrated and you were ready to walk off the field and you know what was going on in that game and we compare the differences and usually when we get to that point um, they're frustrated they're thinking too much they're trying too hard they're focused on a mistake that they made earlier in the game um, they're distracted. They start thinking about what's the coach thinking or what are my parents thinking? I don't want to let my teammates down. I, you know, why can't I do this? That type of stuff, which really makes it hard to play uh, your best. And so we look at that as being in the red um, and then talking about what happens in a traffic light. What does green mean? Green means go. Red means stop. What does yellow mean? And usually we don't go from green to red right away. Something happens in between after the first mistake, whether it's a physical mistake, a mental mistake, it could be individual, it could be the team collectively. Um, something happens where we start to slowly unravel. Um, and so look at that as being in the yellow. And I'll ask them, okay, so what does yellow mean? Most of the time they answer the question, um, it means caution, slow down. Although I had one girl one time tell me, what does yellow mean? She said, speed up. 
I was wondering if anyone was, as a California kid, that's for sure what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. So, and even that's not good because you think about it, a pitcher on the mound, you know, gives up a home run. What does she want? Or walks about her on four straight balls. What does she want? She wants the ball back so I can get, so I can throw the next pitch, you know, and she's going too fast. She needs to slow down. And so they cannot, a 12 year old can understand that concept. Um, so then we talk about using routines and how do you incorporate the routines into keeping yourself in the green? Because that's the only thing a coach wants you to do is to be just calm, clear, collected, confident, understanding what's my job on the next pitch and to be able to control my breathing, control my focus and be able to focus on the process and not necessarily you know the past or the pre or the past or the future as far as what the outcome is going to be and so we that leads me into discussions about teaching them how to use in a routine and what goes in the routine um, for hitting having a routine for a fielding having a routine for pitching and then we'll start talking about having a routine that you utilize um, when you start going into the yellow, being able to recognize that you are going into yellow and that it's your job, your responsibility to get yourself back into the green. So then we'll talk about a, a routine to release or to flush it, or I call delete and reset. And so we'll talk about that and they can understand those concepts. Coach, are there any, is there maybe one specific drill that you walk through with them in practice that can help them kind of understand that and reiterate that part in practice? Um, yeah, when I warm up um, kids as far as the hitting goes, and I do this in my individual lessons as well as when I'm working with a team, um, we'll warm up hitting-wise by me talking them through each stage. And so um, one of the concepts that I also like to utilize, and it just depends on how much time I have as to how in depth I go with this routine. But um, when I first was coaching softball at Ashland, I, um, I turned a lot to Jeff Jansen, who worked with the University of Arizona softball program. And one of the things that concepts that they taught was the scan plan do. And I think they even had a video out about, you know, how to use scan plan do. So um, I'll walk through that whole process with kids. Um, I'll tell them, and it's just dry swings. We're just doing dry swings or we're hitting off a tee. And I will say, okay, scan the field. And what are we looking for when we're scanning the field? Um, we're looking at the situation where the runner's, um, how many outs, you know, what's the game situation. But the other thing I want them looking for is I want them scanning, looking for gaps, because we're going to use that concept and that idea um, to program our GPS, because we're like a GPS. And in order for a GPS to work, we have to have a clear, positive picture of what we're trying to do. So what I'm asking the kids to do, or what I'll ask a kid when I'm first teaching this concept is I will say, um, if you rip a gap, will you get on base? Yes. If you rip a gap, will you move a runner? 
Yes. So is that a clear picture of what you're trying to do? And they'll say, yes. Um, you know, what's my goal? My goal is to have a good at bat and to try to get on base. So we're going to use the concept in that short phrase of ripping a gap um, within the routine structure. So the first thing is we're scanning the fields. We're looking for gaps. Okay, we're just scoping the field out where the gaps, the plan process is, your coach is going to give you a sign, your coach is telling you that you're going to hit, or you're going to butt, or you're going to protect a runner stealing, um, or you're taking a pitch. Okay, so we're going to use the idea that we are going to um, hit. So we scan, we look for gaps, we get our plan, we're hitting, and we're going to use that routine when we step in to the box. Now, and I have them all, the whole team walk through this as a warm up. And I'll say, okay, look at your pitcher with a broad focus. I take a deep breath and I want you to say, rip a gap. Um, and so they take a deep breath, they're looking out, pretending they're looking at their pitcher, saying, rip a gap. And then they'll step into the box. And again, a concept from Mike Andrea is, you know, they get into their, um, we'll go through the steps. Okay, we're going to load, stride, and either yes, we're going to turn and swing, or no, we're going to hold up. Okay, um, then we're going to step out after we hit the ball off the tee. Okay, or take a dry swing, whatever pitch you know we called out. Then we're going to step out and we're going to go through that process again, and where we go and scan the field look at my coach. I know I'm hitting. I'm going to take a deep breath. I forgot one step. Um, also, and this is probably one of the most important steps before they step in the box. I ask them to have a power spot on their bat that they look at their bat. And as they're looking at that bat, they have a power phrase that they say, like, I've got this or bring it on or I'm a beast with the bat, or my favorite is I am a super ninja warrior softball princess, bring it on. And then they're looking at that spot, giving them confidence. And as they're saying that, they're remembering that feeling they had when they played their best game ever. And then they step in the box and again, take that deep breath, focus in on that pitcher, rip a gap. And then, you know, then they go to trusting phase where they're ready, they load, and if it's if it's their pitch or a good pitch, they attack it. If not, you know, they stay off of it. This is so good. And it is bringing me back to my senior year of college when I finally figured this out a little late. So I'm glad these girls get you a little earlier than that. Yeah. Because, oh, my gosh, these routines are so freeing. Right. Well, and then I'll have them work on a routine to delete. Because if they feel like they're going from green to yellow or they're rushing, then I'll have them have another spot on their bat that they'll look at to take more time and just say, delete. Like I took a bad swing. I swung a pitch that was over my head. I go, delete, three, two, one, reset. Bring it on or I got this. You know, so that they're letting go of that mistake. They're flushing it. Um, I, I used to have, I think we talked about this before, I used to have a toy toilet. It was a bank that I got on Amazon and um, that I kept in the dugout so that if kids were going from green to yellow, it'd make them go have to flush the toilet. 
so that you know there was a action with the idea of flushing it and a couple times i had kids that were resistant to it you know this is stupid type thing and i understand that they're college kids but you could tell they're still holding on to whatever um, was causing them to be in the yellow or the red, I would go grab the toilet and I would stick it in their face and I would make them flush it right in front of me. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't like it, but it worked. And there were a couple of times, no lie, a couple of times where I had kids flush toilets and their next at bat, they hit home runs. You know, so um, I didn't care. You know, it's like, you got to get rid of this. You got to let it go. You got to, you know, we got to get back into the green and we're gonna find a way to do that. So, did they did they buy into the toilet after they hit the home run? Uh, uh, I, you know, <laughs> probably not. Probably not. But you know, I made him do it. So, and, you know, and we only did it. We probably only had it for like a couple seasons that I did. I think something got happened happened to it. It got lost. Um, I don't know if somebody stole it intentionally <laughs> or. Um, but, uh, but, you know, it proved a point, you know, right. and it, they understood the point of it. So, so some kids buy, and it's any mental training you do. Some kids are going to buy in and some kids aren't, you know, so it's not going to hurt. That's for sure. Yeah. I've had, I've had the same. I remember I had, when we would do some of our notebook sessions, we would read, uh, there was always one kid that was done so fast and first, and you could just see the the glaze in their eyes when they didn't read the article or really discuss anything. And that was, it was really sad, but you know, everyone else around, around her bought in and it, you know, they didn't let that affect her or affect them, you know, if she, when she wasn't bought in, but the, the toilet story reminds me of when we used to have a whiteboard in the dugout and I'd, I'd have them write down their, their thoughts. And some of them were pretty scary on how, how much they beat themselves up. So we would have a conversation about it. In fact, one of them put something not very nice about herself and then said something about coach won't be very happy with me because I said that about myself. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but it's just interesting to get into their head a little bit to what they're thinking, because I think at the, my, my goal in that exercise was to simply have them be aware of what they were saying. Yeah. And Another one. For sure, yeah. you know, and, and you asked me about incorporating in practice. One of the other things I like to do about that routine to get them to have to delete, and I'm doing this with like 10-year-olds and 12-year-olds and it's working, um, I'll have them um, swing off a tee um, with their eyes closed. And I do it intentionally for two reasons. One is to show them the idea that the visualization is going to help you. If you can hold that image in your brain, you are going to be able to successfully hit the ball. But if you don't, then it gives me an opportunity for them to have to practice their delete routine. So what I'll do is I'll have them get in, you know, stand in on the tee, look at your pitcher, breathe, rip a gap, and then focus in on your contact point, close your eyes, load, stride, swing. And if you hit it well, great, that's a yes. And, it, you know, you've accomplished your goal and you were able to feel your swing. You had an image of the ball and you could feel your swing. So we're training your subconscious mind that way. And if you didn't hit it well, then it gives you the opportunity to step out, use your delete spot, look at that delete spot and, you know, just say delete three, two, one, reset. Um, I've got this 
and then go back through the whole process again. So that's one of my favorite drills. And 10-year-olds can do it. And they're all surprised. They look at me like I'm crazy. Why are you having a swing with my eyes, our eyes closed? And I'm like, just trust me, you'll be able to do it. And within three swings, they'll be able to do it. How fun. I bet those 10-year-olds are like, oh, did we do it again? <laughs> yeah. 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 So. I love that. And I love your totally are people because I want things that are actionable that the girls can see and tangible that they can feel so that they see firsthand, like this is the power of your mind, but it can also get in your way. That's why routines are there not to control your thinking, but to just like quiet it. <laughs> Correct. It's okay, brain. Yeah. We can take a break. <laughs> yeah. And what I tell you, it's to help you become confident and consistent and so that you, to keep the um, negative or doubtful or thoughts of being unsure or being too anxious out. And that's another concept that I talk to these kids about, um, usually the older kids. But, um, you know, even 10-year-olds don't understand what I'm saying, but 12, 14-year-olds do. I talk about them. I ask them, do you know what a bouncer is at a bar? And a lot of them, you know, will say, yeah, yeah. You know, they check IDs and they, let, they keep people out that aren't supposed to be in. I was like, yeah, I want you to be a bouncer. You need to be a bouncer of your thoughts. So you need to pay attention to if I'm thinking or feeling something, you're asking yourself, is this thought of feeling emotion, is this helping me or hurting me? And if this thought or feeling or emotion is hurting me, your job is to bounce it out, to blow it up. Or um, another concept that I used um, is, I'll talk about um, little kids like this one, uh, college kids not so much, pretend like you're going duck hunting. And whenever you have a negative thought, quack, <laughs> and just go quack, quack to get rid of it. Or if you see somebody who has negative body language, then I would go quack at them, you know, because if they were pouting or making eyes or, or you know, they, you could tell that they were not in the green, they were in the yellow, I could go quack at them. And it would be a funny way of saying, you know what? Pay attention to where you're at mentally right now. What's your body language showing? That's so huge. I think a key that a lot of coaches, don't, not on purpose, but they miss, is that that body language is just a symptom. So bringing their attention to, okay, what's going on? Where are your thoughts going? What are you thinking? That's the real cause. So that's how you get them out of it, not just punishing them for having poor body language, which I did. So I wanted to not have poor body language and sitting the bench didn't help. <laughs> oh, no, no. I, it took me a long, long time, you know, to get to that point as a coach, even to be able to bounce thoughts out of my head. Oh, for sure. You know? Yeah, no, it's like, it, it's a constant, a daily challenge, you know, and, and I think the goal is how many times can you use your delete button throughout the day and try to get to a point where we're reducing that number, you know, and some days we're going to use it more than others. Absolutely. 
So what are some of the things um, in addition to body language that you look for um, to help your girls recognize when to use that delete button? Because I don't care how old you are. We all need some help at the beginning. <laughs> well, it's, it, it, I mean, obviously body language, but facial expression, you know, is a part. We don't always know what our facial expression is. Um, you know, so I think a kid could, if it, if it's somebody that they they aren't sure that they're doing it to have a friend of theirs say, hey, just give me a sign when you see that I'm not where I need to be. And, but they, there's gotta be a lot of trust there between the two kids. And the, the one kid has, to, you know, the one that wants the help, you know, has to want the help. Um, but I don't think, in working with these kids, a lot of times they can't, they don't understand, um, they don't feel it, or they don't realize it, that this is what they're doing. And it's just trying to have a, a you know, conversation without necessarily calling them out on it, but asking them, you know, do you realize you just rolled your eyes at me? And some of them might say yes, and some of them might say, you know, no, I don't, I didn't even realize I did it, you know, so. Um, I think it's, you know, making them aware, um, you know, just, you can tell, I think when kids are thinking too much and just asking them, you know, you know, what's going on inside of your head right now? Are we overanalyzing or are you just doing and trying to get them to the, the idea that, you know, um, I'm just doing, I, you know, and trying to keep it simple in in terms of um, execution, try to keep it simple and keep your focus on the here and now. I think kids really understand that term in my head. Like I, I know when I'm in my head and I know, you know, that's the phrase they use. I hear them a lot, even the younger ones. And I think that that's just, you know, another way to say overthinking or thinking too much. Mm -hmm. And I think that when they recognize that that's the case and you give the, you know, you give them all these tools in order to help them, whether it's the toilet or all the things that you've done, it's, it's the, it's the tool that's really important to help them through all of those situations. Yeah, for sure. Coach, do you have, if you had one piece of advice or one um, thing that you could tell a coach um, that's just starting mental training, what would you tell them? Um, to study different things and, but in order it, for it to be successful, you have to do it on a daily and a weekly basis. And teach your kids these concepts, but then you have to reinforce them. Because if you're not reinforcing them and asking and having dialogue about it, then they're going to learn it one day and then they're going to let it go and they're going to forget about it. And I think if you want them to honestly incorporate it, you're gonna have to make them do it at the beginning. You know, um, it's like, you know, example, if you teach somebody how to bunt and you only work on bunting on Monday and you don't work again on bunting the rest of the week and you get to a game day on Saturday and you haven't worked on your bunting um, and you expect the kid to be able to put a suicide squeeze down, but they haven't worked on it, how successful are they going to be? So I think it's 
knowing that you have to continually teach and reinforce if it's if you're serious about it and you just you know find different ways of doing it um and it doesn't have to be the exact same thing every day it can, you can do different um avenues and different ways of incorporating some of the 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 visualization um is a big part of of what i believe in and and for example have a visualization station when you're doing hitting practice and we used to do that at kent state in um you know one of the stations is i would have them just sit down close their eyes and i would give them various situations to visualize you know um bases loaded and there's two outs and you're down by one you know visualize being up to bat in that situation um you know so you can do little types of things like that on a daily basis that don't take a lot of time ah oh, so many good things i know most of our coaches are going to like pause rewind write all those things down <laughs> well i have those so. episodes where you're driving like no i need a pen <laughs> yeah well yeah i hope so the other thing um we took and one of the things i would encourage people to do is um in the fall season when i was at kent state uh we had a mental training session once a week that was devoted for an hour you know where we were doing mental training in addition to the little things that we would do during practices or you know during the week um so we would do that and have different topics where i could introduce these different things some you know it would be talking about focus or talk, doing some visualization or teaching them how to visualize correctly. Um, we would do team building type activities. Um, and we devoted that hour to that um, once a week throughout the fall season, in, even in our off season um, until we started playing games. And then when we started playing games in January or practicing in January and February, um, especially in February when we started playing games, uh, we visualized before every game, every single game of the team, we would have a team visualization session. Um, and I think that that was part of the secret sauce for our success because it put everybody, we were, what we were doing is we were programming our GPS for the day. We were, you know, thinking, talking about, this is what we plan to do when we get to this, you know, when, when we're in the game, you know, how do we want to play? What is you? And I would ask each kid and through the visualization process, I, you know, um, what is it that you want to bring to the field today? How are you going to help your team play? What's your role going to be? You know, what are your goals for today? How do you want to play? How do you want to perform? You know, and so they would program uh, or set the blueprint for what they plan to do that day. Awesome. All right. So now that everyone's like, I love all the stuff that she's talking about, how can people work more with you? Want to talk a little bit about Aspire Hire? Sure. Um, Aspire Hire is uh, just a, it, it, um, I guess it's a company, a business. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> um, but I have coaches like Coach Goulas who helps me when I do clinics and things like that. Um, so what it is, it's both mental and physical. It's um, 
teaching kids how to win the mind game. It's teaching concepts like this. Um, I, as well as just regular hitting lessons or, you know, fielding or working with teams as far as their game. Um, we, we do clinics as well. Um, and so that I travel all over the place. Like, you know, at Thursday, I'm going down to West Virginia to do a clinic. Um, you know, I've gone, oh, you know, I'm located in Akron, Ohio area, but I'm in Clevis once a week. I'll travel to Toledo. I've been to Pittsburgh, you know, just all over the area. And then what the COVID has started, I've started doing some Zoom calls, you know, with people um, where if they want to work on the mental game, I'll work with the mental game on the, just over Zoom or have a mental training session with teams. Um, I've been able to do that on Zoom as well. So it's been very rewarding and it, it keeps growing. So I've very much enjoyed being able to give back to the game um, and working with the younger athletes. And that is it for today. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone you think could enjoy it too. For another idea, snap a screenshot of the episode and share your favorite takeaway. Then tag us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. If you're feeling real generous, head to your podcast player of choice and give us a review. Five Little Stars can help us reach more coaches like you as we build our club of sweet spotters and grow our game to become the sport that parents want their kids to play so they grow into stronger people. As usual, if you have any questions, comments, or guest requests, please feel free to reach out to me at mel at mentalsweetspot.com or shoot me a message on Twitter at Coach Mel Rushing or Mental Sweet Spot. Thank you again for joining us. See you next week and have a good one.